0: We live in a time where masculinity is shamed, and men don't know what it means to be a man. As a pastor and counselor, I've spent the better part of my life equipping and training others. My goal with this show is to translate my hard-earned experience into tools and tactics to help you become stronger as a man. This is The Brave Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Bellant. All right, Brave Co men. Welcome back to the Brave Co. podcast. This week I have my very favorite man on the planet. Your my favorite dad. father. My favorite father. <laughs> my own dad. <laughs> you, only, you only got you only got one
1: dad. Well, biological, biological dad. father. Biological father.
0: That's, that's true. That's true. Gosh, Dad, thank you so much yeah. for carving out a whole bunch of time. Yeah.
1: I'm glad to be here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad you're here. It's
1: almost Christmas. Woof. My favorite time of the year.
0: Well, um, probably by the time we release this podcast, it'll probably be Christmas Oh, or yeah. This
1: would be a Christmas special.
0: Yeah. <laughs> we should <laughs> release it Christmas, a Christmas Day, huh?
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good.
0: <laughs> Everyone, on Christmas Day, you could start out your whole, like, get the kids around the Christmas tree. Yeah. Before you open presents, we have to listen to the podcast. Listen
1: to, to Jay and Chris' podcast for Christmas. Yeah. Well, then we should tell the Christmas story, then.
0: Oh, it's a new tradition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't think
1: so jay probably not no, huh? i don't think anyone's well, going to, want to listen to our podcast at christmas i think that's true
0: too dad we've got a couple of guys that would like it yeah three of them all three, of, three of them would. <laughs> um well there's tons of stuff to talk about and i was thinking um of a bunch of different subjects that I like to talk about with you, adversity and, and how to build strength and how to be a strong man. And um, But actually I, I got a whole bunch of questions um, from Brave Co-Men that they wanted to ask you. And so I thought it'd be cool if we go through and, and ask some of those questions and I can throw some of my questions in there too. So it's not very often that we get to ask you <laughs> and questions.
1: I, and I can go, next question. Yeah,
0: we can pass on questions okay, so if we'll we want. See. Yeah, we don't have to. Yeah. Um, so, okay, we're just going to jump right in. Okay, let's do that. All right. How do you balance the tension between being a man who's uncompromising in character and faith, yet still have compassion for people around you?
1: Well, I think Jesus did a great job in that he hung out with sinners and he didn't hang out with them and compromise his, his, you know, his values. And it's funny because they invited him to parties, you know? Yeah. So, you know, I think it it speaks to us of love that transcends opinions. Hmm. And I think you can hold to your opinions and I mean you can have strong convictions. I, I don't think I don't get, I don't think it's a a question of should you be, you know, like like un, undecided on on passionate on important subjects. I think it's like how do you walk out your life of Conviction, yeah, and what do you require of other people? And one of the things I think that happens when you're my age, you know, um, uh, I'm, how old is that, Dad? I'm um, kind of. I'll wondering. be sixty nine next year. This uh, in January. Ooh, you're close. So you're pushing really, on seventy. Really baby. pushing on seventy. I think what happens is you realize that life is a journey, yeah, and that you know you're meeting people on different places of that journey. Let's say that the journey's a thousand miles. And you meet somebody that has, you know, from your perspective, really wrong positions. I mean, you know. Perspectives. Perspectives and convictions. Oh, yeah. And and you realize, like, a person may be 20, and, you know, you have 48 years of different life experiences uh, uh, from, you know, from things that happen in the Lord to things that happen in your life. And those things, you know, they, they all shape you. And you're meeting someone On that that thousand mile journey, Mm -hmm. and so you know to treat them because they because you feel differently about uh, you know morality or different about family or different Mm -hmm. about maybe they don't even know the Lord, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. and you know I think that I I think that uh, Robin Williams said you often forget what someone said to you, but you'll never forget the way they made you feel. And so, I think that helping people to know they're loved, helping people to know that they're cared about, because people, they belong, believe, and then behave. Yeah. And I think we're trying to often reverse that in the life of people. Right. We're trying to get people to like believe before they feel like they're loved. Yeah. And so... Um I think it was John Maxwell who coined the phrase people don't care what you think till they know that you care. Yeah. So those things are all important. I I don't think any of us, you know, play them out perfectly.
0: When you say that, that that's part of what being a noble man is mm-hmm. is that there really is no no nobility unless you have the opportunity one to do wrong. Yeah but also to choose something right right yeah i look at jesus and i go like man he was doing such noble things because he was able to be with a tax collector and be with a prostitute and not make them feel shame but bring a message in a way where they felt loved and cared for despite their differences
1: yeah and maybe even convicted because conviction You know, I mean, true conviction says you're way too awesome to be acting like. Yeah. So you know, he sees Zacchaeus who's been cheating people for years, and you know, and he says, "Hey, I'd like to have dinner at your house." And (laughs) Zacchaeus climbs out of the tree and immediately like, "I'll give up to half of my uh, of my wealth, and if I've cheated anyone, I'll." (laughs) Jesus didn't even say anything to him except for like to have dinner at your house. You know and I think that conviction I do think that conviction is a gift from God to 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 all of us and including the people that we are in relationship with and I think that people often feel convicted over our lives yeah like they get around us and they're living a a godless life and when we get in their space what we don't want them to do is feel condemned condemnation says you're you know you you did uh you did wrong because you are wrong Yeah. But conviction says you're better than that yeah and so, you know, I think that, I think that we should live in a way that helps people, you know, find their way. I was thinking about the woman caught in adultery, which everybody repeats that story over and over. And no one very seldom does anyone finish that story, you know, when Jesus said, you know, uh, you know, to, you know, let the, let he that sin cast the first stone. And then, you know, everyone leaves. And then he says, does no one condemn you, condemn you? She said, no, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go your way and don't ever sin again. And he doesn't call don't ever sin again condemning her. Yeah. So, you know, it's like sometimes we, you know, we build a relationship with somebody where we do get to speak. Like we earn the right to we have the value in their life and we earn and and favor and we have the right to speak into their life.
0: It's part of leadership. Like when I think about Maxwell's, um, talks about the different levels of leadership. Mm-hmm. Of course, the first one would be positional, right? Like yeah. people follow me because I'm paying their paycheck yeah. and they, I'm their boss. But then that next level is, is permissional, right? Like you follow me, not because I'm your boss, but because I add value to your life, you see me as a person of value. You believe that I care for you. Yeah, you want my input in your life. And I remember when I when I was firefighting, it was with guys who were non Christians, and my goal was to get into that permissional place in their life where they wanted me to speak into their life, mm-hmm. knowing that I had a different set of value system because they felt valued for, regardless totally. of our differences. And so yeah. I feel like that's a it's a like a leadership principle of like, no, don't like nobility, trustworthiness, faith gives you access and even makes you credible to speak into people's lives who are living a different way because you yeah. have a solution and an answer that they desperately need. Yeah. If you give it to if you compose yourself in a way that feels loving and caring and I just, I think too like it says it that, that um that kindness leads us to repentance, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when you start to fold in the kingdom message, it's like, man, it's kindness, it's love, it's it's a standard with kindness, it's a standard with love, it's a standard with, you know, that's full of compassion and vision. You're way too good to be acting like this, mm-hmm. and that's God's model for us. So,
1: there's a young uh, African American man that I play basketball with, and he's about six foot. Nine or 10, maybe. Yeah, nine or 10. And he's, uh, you know, I don't know if he's a brand new Christian, but he's like two or three years old in the Lord and he is, he's on fire. Like he's on fire, right? But he's being raised by these guys who are uh, anti, like they're, um, well, they're, they're definitely anti Bethel guys Mm. and
0: horrible uh, people. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh,
1: They're, and it's all about uh, Bethel's out trying to get your money. Ah. So you know, so he's like, "Can I ask you some questions?" So the last three times I've met the gym, he's like, uh, "Can I ask you some questions?" And you know, it's like, and the Bible says, and you know, you could tell someone's you know prepped him for the conversation, you know, and you know, Jesus wasn't uh, rich, and you know, the and you know, today he told me about the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the boastful side of pride of life is not from the Father, and he's going on like that, and and you know, he he asked me like three weeks ago, "Can we have co- these conversations?" Yeah. So, you know, today he comes up, and I had already, you know, been thinking through, okay, we're having another conversation. And today he came up, and he started this conversation. I said, hey, bro, here's here's the deal. I'm eager to have any conversation you want to have about the Bible. I wrote a book on wealth, so I I know a little bit about the subject. But it doesn't feel like you're asking questions. It feels like you have accusations. Mm. And I don't know why you have accusations against me, like I have no idea what I did to make you not trust me, and I told him a little about our history, you know, like twenty years when we were real, seventeen years people lived with us. you know I just went on kind of like this is our first of all, this is our journey of you know being poor, this yeah. is our journey of generosity, and you know this is this is how I got wealthy, like I mean, wealthy. Ripping people off. Yeah. I, I wrote 15 books. We give away half of our income, half of our uh, profit. And uh, we, 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 you know, blah, blah, blah. I just went and I'm like, so I, I, when you're talking to me like I did something wrong and I'm having to defend myself, if you want me to defend the scriptures around, you know, poverty, riches, and wealth, I'm, I'm glad to have a dialogue yeah. with you. But what I'm not, what I'm not, r- what I'm not going to do is defend my nobility to you, because I didn't do anything to deserve that. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh man, I, I need to repent for that." You know, well, that's <laughs> conversation. I mean, he's just it's a awesome. really sweet young yeah. man, yeah. super sweet. And I told him, "Man, I love your passion, and uh, I, you know, I just I don't know what I did to offend you." Yeah. And and so I I feel like I'm fighting a ghost. Yeah. So I told him a little my story and he was like, Oh yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I didn't hear that before. I'm like, Oh, you never asked. Yeah. So, you know, I do feel like part of it, part of, you know, I think we have to like, I, I don't, I, I won't want to be, I don't want to be a passive man mm-hmm. who just rolls over whenever somebody says yeah. something I don't like. And it's like, Oh, we're all good. Right. And, but I, I also don't, I also don't want to be a dogmatic. Religious bigot that you know is has an accusation against people because they live differently. Yeah, and um and I I I want to truly love people, and, and I and I Elon Musk said something this week. You know I know Elon Musk not a believer, so and I understand his moral life is not the kind of life I would want to live, but he made a statement that is it was it was crude the way he put it. But he's talking about that. I think it was like on, you know, on Twitter, on X, whatever he calls it now. It's like, uh, you know, uh, Disney and some uh, advertisers have gone off his platform. Yeah, off his platform because of the stances he's taken. And you know, the person who's interviewing says, "Well, you've lost millions of dollars because people, you know, boycott he." And he said, "Well, f them." He said, "I am not." I will not be manipulated by money. Mm -hmm. I will not be manipulated by money, and I'm like, okay, doesn't know the Lord, doesn't have the values I have, but he's like, I am not for sale. Yeah, and I'm like, yeah, and and I'm like, I find it. Here's a man doesn't know the Lord, but he uh, and he's the he's on and off the wealthiest man in the world, and he's like, but money is you're not going to like I I don't I you're not going to. Like I love the fact this man got wealthy, but he's he is not like he, he doesn't care if he loses his wealth. Like, yeah. And and I'm like, wow, what happens when a when you know when you when you lose your fear of dying and you can't be bought? hmm You become an unstoppable
0: yeah. man. Or you're really depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's, you kind of <laughs> ruined my point, but exactly. Or you're really depressed. You're Some of the really guys are like, depressed. "I got that a long time ago." Yeah, I'm I not afraid a of die. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah there's awesome. another
1: side of that for sure.
0: It's <laughs> awesome, Dad. Great. This is great. Listen, that was just the first question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna be here all week, man. I got a list of them. <laughs> no, sorry. No, I'm kidding. We'll you're on. great. No, this is awesome. Um, okay, what's this, what is the thing you see most often? Um, Men get wrong in their marriages?
1: Well, I think it's, I think there's a few things. Obviously, if we, uh, and I listened to some of your podcasts and I'm like, yeah, that I would agree with like the way Mm. you're approaching marriage. Uh, One is, I think that realizing that life really isn't all about you. Yeah. And that's such an easy statement. Mm -hmm. And it's much, more difficult in certain seasons, especially to walk it out. Yeah. Um, and, you know, laying down your life for your your spouse and then later your children and later on your grandchildren and doing things that you don't enjoy because you love.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, can I make a point to that? Yeah, you can. Because I think, I think a lot of men think they're laying down their life mm-hmm. because they're going to work. For us, yeah, they think you know, I, I'm, I'm go, I go, well, I work all week long for you, you know, yeah. But the truth is, it's easier to be at work than it is at home. Yeah, especially
1: if you're, you know, when you're first learning, and you're not super successful at home.
0: I, I mean, <laughs> most men I, I know. <laughs> The guys that I run with, yeah. even me, it's easier for me to be at work. This is easier yeah. than to be at home. Yeah, because the home, there's a million needs at home yeah, right now. I mean, with little kids. Oh my gosh, my yeah. and even my older kids, right? They, yeah. There's tons of needs, and you know, my wife wants to to emotionally connect and process through stuff. And like being at work's like I'm the boss. Mm-hmm, yeah, or I know it's expected of me. I got to do eight hours here, and, yeah. and and but I I do think that laying down your life piece. Is often puts us in a place of so much uncomfortability if we're really doing it yeah. right. Like if if I'm really laying down my life for my wife, then I'm sharing my emotions in a way that's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I'm telling her where I feel weak. Mm-hmm. I'm listening to her, you know, where process, and I'm meeting her in that spot. Lauren's going through, you know, a more a season of mourning because yeah. her mom, her mom. mother passed away in you know laying down my life it'd be so much easier to be like i'll pick up another job Mm -hmm. you know we'll make more money that's the easy part the Mm -hmm. hard part is oh my wife's in mourning and she really needs time to process or she really wants to process or she's feeling hopeless today or i got it like those are the thing or Mm -hmm. i come home and the kids just they they need me to wrestle them and i don't feel like Mm -hmm. like the last thing i want to do is my daughter says dad can you be chicka linda (laughs) <laughs> chicka is <Linda's> the horse <laughs> yeah. so not only am i the horse but i'm a girl horse apparently yeah. <laughs> chicka i think that's the name
1: you're the bride of christ
0: but i think you're right like laying down your yeah. life i think guys get it wrong mm-hmm. because they think laying down their life is i'm going to work i make the money make the money right But that is not laying down your life that's an aspect of it it's part we, of it i mean if you're not
1: working and you're listening to this and you're not the provider, then there, yeah. there's a there's a place for you to grow there. Right? It's a baseline. Yeah. Your baseline, yeah.
0: But that next level of laying yeah. down your life is like like Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think about it like Jesus. I've been watching The Chosen a lot, so yeah. <laughs> I'm on a Jesus kick. You got body. it. It's the come follow me was like the baseline. Like I'm following you, but there's going to come a point where this costs you everything. Mm-hmm. There's going to come a point where you're not just watching him do the miracles. And him get the persecution and and him listen to the father. Now you're having to step up to the plate mm-hmm. and be the disciple where I'm preaching the message, I'm stepping out, I'm offending people, this is costing me my life. And I'm having to really see what laying down my life costs. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a fantastic answer, is, is all I'm yeah. saying.
1: Yeah. I you know, I just had this idea. I don't know if it's accurate, you can push back, but getting married's a little bit like joining the service.
0: Mm. You only volunteer once.
1: You volunteer and and once you're in, like it it is like you know the sergeant has control of your life and you you know they may ship you off to Iran, Iraq or you know now Israel or Ukraine yeah. like it, it it's like you when you said yes, you should have thought through it because this is what you're doing. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I I think too is yeah, I have a wife that has Parkinson's and so She's, you know, doing really well, but she has limited uh energy as and and I I need so we we could have a plan for let's do this on Friday. Then Friday she wakes up and she has no energy. And one of the things that I'm that I've learned, I'm learning. I feel like I don't have the lesson mastered, but is she I I can't just say, hey, we won't do that. I have to also make sure That she understands that I don't mind that we're not doing it. Right. I don't mind that we're, or or you're going to, you're having to
0: be uber flexible.
1: Yeah. And, and it's, and, but in a way that doesn't make her feel guilty or weak or, you know, like, like, well, you're a problem because I can, I'm, I'm, Hey, just take a nap, man. It's all right. You know, forget it. You know, we'll just do something later. It's like, no, that, yeah, I don't feel like taking a nap if I'm, if that's the way it feels. Yeah. But you know, so and and when she got diagnosed, the day she got diagnosed, actually, I was in Taiwan, and the, I, what I heard immediately is like the Lord, the Lord said to me, "No one should ever suffer alone."
0: Mm. Wow, that's what he
1: said to me, "Yeah,
0: that's powerful."
1: I said, "No one should ever suffer alone." Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so this is part of love. Is that love suffers long? I get to, I get to learn about love, another aspect about love. And so, you know, we're doing that together and I've, it's really been really beautiful actually.
0: You know, that's really crazy, dad, because um, I'm, as you know, like I, I help a lot of guys mm. whose marriages are hurting and yeah. sometimes their marriage is hurting because their spouse is really hurting Yeah, and it's easy to be so annoyed, even offended by, you know, your spouse's whatever, trauma and and, and pain yeah. and past life and- what a profound statement to think through, like, my wife's suffering. It's my job to be there with her and for her, and it's powerful.
1: Yeah, and you know, there's something that I'm, now this is part I'm actually really learning. Mm-hmm. Like, you you know, pain either bonds you or breaks you. Yeah, But true. it doesn't leave you the same.
0: No, it doesn't.
1: And so, you know, it's either gonna bond you In a way that that covenant's going to grow deeper through understanding and kindness, or it's going to break you. Mm -hmm. And it may not break you tomorrow; it may be break you ten years from now as you slowly withdraw from their pain. Yeah, and uh, and you know, and inside you're like, they have a problem; she has a problem. Not we have a problem. Yeah, she has a problem. And and you know and soon you know there's someone out there that doesn't have a problem mm-hmm. who gives you some attention. Yeah. And you and I, we know that really well because we help so many men. Yep.
0: Yep. It's great, Dad.
1: Mm-hmm. You're a good man. I'm um, I'm learning to be a better man.
0: Oh, you got a couple more years to figure yeah, out. I you do. Know, you're yeah, You're almost seventy. You got. Yep.
1: I'm gonna be like Enoch. Man, he's so perfect. <laughs> the Lord's like. He doesn't need to die. Just yeah, bring him up.
0: Walks here. with God, and was not. Yeah. Um. Okay. What was the most? What do you think the most important parenting advice you would give to fathers?
1: Well, I'm on a kick right now, so I don't know if this is the most important. To be honest, yeah. But it, I'll say that it's something that's really, really, really on my mind. And I, I feel like there is a, there's a tension inside of me, in parenting and watching. You know, we have grandkids, so they're mm. over. And you know, obviously, obviously, when they act up, like you know, what do you do? And as a grandparent, my role is quite different. So, I, like, I you give them candy. <laughs> yeah, give them candy. <laughs> I, I taunt them and manipulate them with food and sugar. Uh, but on a serious note, it's like I I feel like there's this thing that we were teaching, and I think Danny so captured it so well in "Loving Your Kids on Purpose." We're we're teaching our kids from the time they're and, you know, from the time they can learn to, you know, to make good decisions for themselves. Yeah. So we're giving them options. Like, yeah. you want to do this or this. Be powerful. I, I feel like that's was such a powerful truth, is a, such a powerful truth because, you know, the religious way is like, do it because I said, and that's the way it is. You, you listen, you, you, you want to cry? I'll give you something to cry about, yeah. it, you know? And so it's like
0: strict obedience.
1: Yeah. Strict obedience in the militaristic kind of way. Uh, you know, and I think the motto of that, of that, era was you know to to spare the rods to spoil a child and yet the other side of that is what i'm very deeply concerned about mm-hmm. now i've watched a generation grow up in that uh so, sometimes with people just using that skill which was never in danny's heart to yeah to, to say but but I, I and i and i'm i'm thinking the other day i was just thinking about just laying on my bed just thinking about like there, there is something about learning about authority, mm-hmm. the fear of the Lord, and I'm noticing, like in John 15, Jesus say, "I no longer call you slave, because a slave does not know what his master. His slave does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friend." And I'm like, well, start out being a slave." Mm-hmm. So it's like God said, God taught us obedience before He taught us revelation. You know, before He taught us slave. And here's how I. These are all the reasons I do that. Yeah. And so I think that with our children, I think there's, there's a piece missing in, in the last couple of generations, uh, uh, and that is, it is important that my son and daughter do something because I said so. Mm-hmm. I don't think that should be the only tool in the yeah. toolbox. <laughs> yeah, totally. Let me just be clear. Yeah. But I think that sometimes we swing way the other way. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, a police officer is going to pull you over, Yeah. and y- you need to treat him with respect because of the badge he has on yeah your teacher is not necessarily going to give you three choices yeah you know um it life your boss yeah is not necessarily going to tell you why he wants you to do that thing or, or care take how that you wall. feel about it and so you know and then and then ultimately like the bigger picture is god like when god tells you to do something he expects you to obey even if you don't yeah. understand so I think that there's a, you know, I think that there's this, there's this tension right now inside of me of like, okay, this generation needs to also go, you know, they need to swing back a little towards the middle mm-hmm. and say, and be able to say, and be able to learn how to respect authority. Yeah. Cause we have a whole generation doesn't respect authority at all now. Yeah. And that, that's very scary. Yeah. It is. So I, I, I think that, you know, I think that I don't, I don't know if that's a great, I love it. Not probably the answer you're looking for, but it, it's just something that's deeply ingrained in me lately.
0: Well, I love it. I I think the execution of it is is as a father of two really small young kids mm-hmm. is both challenging and yeah. convicting, right? So, because yeah. I have the same thing. the The value and importance of trusting without understanding is such a gift, right? If I trust God without having to understand him believing and knowing that he has my best interest in mind my life is so much easier because I don't have to have control of everything and I don't have to question everything I can just go you want me to go over there and do this thing great I'm going to do that oh you want you want me to whatever give my money to this person okay yo you want me to take this risk and whether it turns out amazing whether it turns out bad like I am not my own. I'm on here. I'm here on a mission. Yeah. Your deep love for me is the thing that I'm so sure about and connected to. And I think that that's the piece that I'm trying to navigate and figure out with my little kids. Like mm-hmm. I want them to. I want them to have the obedience because they know the depth of my love and sacrifice for them. And I know that that practically. I I know that it. Mm-hmm. There has to be a practical application for it, right? And I know that it has to be taught and learned. But I think one of the ways that it got, in my opinion, really misused is when—and maybe this is—this is where I would say this is where adults have like rallied against that kind of obedience is. Because it didn't feel loving to them. It didn't feel caring to them as a child, right? Mm-hmm. Dad was just such an a-hole and mm-hmm. so disconnected that he just really wanted it his way. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily actually better for the child. Yeah. It was just his way. Yeah. And he's doing that to mom and he's doing that to the yeah. you know. And so I do think that the big challenge for me is when I look at Jesus doing it, um, I just look at it so much out uh, of it's coming from this massive resource of mm-hmm. i love you this is actually the best thing for you i'm not really asking your opinion if you want to be a follower yeah. of me this is what we're doing this is the yeah. mission and and so yeah gosh executing that with kids is is a challenge
1: yeah, there there's trust and there's also respect yeah and there's also the the recognition of authority mm-hmm. those three things they don't they don't always flow together yeah and I, I I'm just working out in my own mind because I, I definitely I sat on the other side of that. You know, I was definitely authoritarian from the you know, maybe not as some I mean, we all kind of have this comparative thing. Not the way I grew up for sure. No. But also not the way that I watch people parent now. Yeah. So there's there's some kind of balance in the tension there.
0: A hundred percent. And gosh, I hope I figure it out. F- future me look back and all just say, "How did you do?"
1: Oh, <laughs> we're all part of it. We're all growing, learning.
0: Um, a friend of mine asked me this question for you. His name's Tim. Uh, I think it's a great question. How do you make really hard decisions? Um, in blending the prophetic and the practical, like you know, because you are, you're a prophet, and and I think that there's advantages to being a prophet in having that gift and what does it look like? And and we all know our core value is that we can all hear God and we can all prophesy. Mm-hmm. So I'm not removing anybody from mm-hmm. that, that need, but how do you make decisions and how does the prophetic play into that? And then when do you just make decisions? Like, obviously you walked in here and said, how are you? You said, ah, oh, it's been a, it's been a day or something mm-hmm. like that. And I know that you have hard, like there's hard things any day, mm-hmm. That you're alive walking around, there's mm. so many hard things that you're navigating through because you lead so many different things mm. from you know the school ministry to the church to uh, you know your own organization, all that stuff, and there's problems inside of it all. How does how do you differentiate between like I'm solving this problem using the prophetic, and I'm solving this problem just this is just my best idea, and yeah, how do you how do you solve problems? Well,
1: uh, I, I feel like. I feel like my relationship with the Lord is like anyone else's in that, you know, sometimes he opens up, um, you know, a, a word to me that I know that my goal is to facilitate that and walk it out. And as as much as it depends on me, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. often we're giving words to other people and it's like, okay, well, my job is to deliver the word accurately. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like from there on, I'm pretty much done <laughs> trying to uh, be a part of making it happen. as yeah. a bad plan. And then there's the prophetic words that the Lord gives me for me, or for yeah. my family, or the people I actually have authority, you know, over or in their lives. And that that's a little different walk because I'm I'm like, okay, so how do I actually, you know, uh, activate these things in our life? How do I act on them? And I think. All of that to say that it's not always easy, and timing's important. And, you know, making sure that when you have something really directional, that uh, that there are a people with authority around you that will look at that word too and will say, yes, that's the word of the Lord. And then also work through, like, what's the timing of that? How do we walk that out? And then the other side of it is I, I think that sometimes— we have to be careful that we don't become robots and that think that God wants to like, okay, now next step, turn, turn left three steps, and then yeah, and we kind of view life as like this, like we're waiting now for the next thing God's going to say to us, and and that's just not like the Lord loves free will. Yeah, in fact, love does not, you know, if you read First Corinthians thirteen, which actually speaks of the way God loves us before it speaks of the way we're to love others, love doesn't seek its own. So, so God's not trying like, okay, it's my way or the highway, bro. Mm-hmm. Listen, listen, I said turn right at the lap. Listen, do it again. Let's try it again. And we just talked about obedience a few minutes ago with the kids. Yeah, but also the Lord loves free will. As a matter of fact, if you think about, you know, David, uh who loved God, he's a man after God's heart. He built a tabernacle that was actually illegal in his day, because you know the only Bible they had was the was. Not just the Old Testament, but the first five books of the Bible, mostly. And and that those first five books of the Bible, Leviticus gave, you know, a Numbers and Leviticus gave a very pointed picture of how God wanted to be worshipped. And David's like, oh, that's, that's great, but let's just put the Ark of the Covenant in the middle, and let's just, like, all worship, like... <laughs> And, and, you know, and, and then God loved it so much in, in, you know, Acts 15, he goes, in the last days, I'm going to raise up the tabernacle of David, which is the tabernacle that, and that in his day was illegal, it was not on this side of the cross, but. Uh. And so, you know, it's like, it just says to us that God loves passion. He loves people who passionately love him beyond the book, you know, beyond, yeah. not, 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 not anti the book, but beyond the book. And, and so, you know, I think that when we see our lives as, as we, when we see ourselves just as slaves then we're kind of like wait for the next word to do something when we see ourselves as lovers and friends then then we we realize that now we have to get navigate something that i think is more difficult and that is if the lord doesn't if my wife doesn't tell me take out the garbage and yeah. do these five things if i do those five things i know i okay, can i did what she wanted yeah but but the the greater challenge is when i like today's her birthday and i'm like what does Kathy Velton really really want on her birthday? Like, and so the you she know the greatest yeah the greater challenge uh, in life really is to live as a son as a as a uh, as a prince mm-hmm. where now I have to navigate not the orders from above but the heart of God mm-hmm. and the heart of my family and the heart of people around me. Now, that's much more difficult because you have to be present and
0: connected. Yeah, it's true. So when you're navigating through hard things, right? Like you've got um, every day. You've, yeah, you've got people that are upset with a decision that you made, or mm-hmm. let's just maybe say you have a really hard decision to make, mm-hmm. right? Like, and you're not hundred percent sure how to make that. How does the prophetic play into that? Oh, and or are you not necessarily tapping into the prophetic to help solve that problem? Are you just using wisdom and counsel? Like, what is your process for dealing for like navigating through? Well,
1: I mean, my first thing is like, what is the Lord saying? Mm -hmm. Like, if He has an opinion about this, then I actually don't have a right to another one. Yeah. So, you know, if if He said turn right, and I'm looking at, you know, I'm at this at this, uh, you know, at the end of this road, and I can go left or right, and He said
0: turn right. I just need to turn right. Like I don't, how often do you like I know I'm cutting you off but yeah. how how often do you have like a practical problem, right? Like let's say that mm-hmm. oh we need to raise x amount of dollars yeah. to cover Brave Coast budget. And you sit down and you ask God like what do you want me to do with this? How often do you get an ant, like an actual ant, direct answer for that?
1: 30% of the time. 30%? Yeah. Yeah, you know, maybe sometimes more, but yeah. So then then I'm just like okay, now it's just Sometimes the answer the Lord gives you is not the one you want. So then you have to try to, yeah. okay, well, again, we talked about sacrifice a little while ago. You know, it's like, all right, well, that's not the way, it, that's not how that, that wouldn't be how I would work it out, you know? And then, you know, and, and if I don't get, uh, if I don't get an answer, like I don't get like a declaration from the Lord, then I'm asking for wisdom. And yeah. sometimes, uh, oftentimes wisdom is found in the counsel of, of many. Yeah. Wise people, not just to counsel a bunch of boneheads. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I think that I watch people ask their bonehead friends yeah. about things that their friends are f- failing at.
0: Yeah, if you don't like your friend's life, if you don't want your friend's <laughs> life, don't ask him for help yeah, on yours. Totally.
1: If your friend sucks at finances, yeah. you know, probably what you're looking for if you go ask him is like, you're looking for comfort instead of real counsel. But yeah, we all suck at it, you know. It's but if you really want help, you got to go find somebody who's good at what you're, yeah. you know, bad at yeah. or, or or what's in front of you. Yeah. Not necessarily bad at, but what decision you have in front of you. Yeah. Who's good at making these decisions?
0: Yeah. Gosh. I was just thinking like if I could know the answer to all the hard problems in my life, would I want to be able to know the answer just like that? <laughs> That's a hard I don't question. Know. Yeah.
1: Well, the question would be, are you going to be obedient to all these right answers that you know? I know. Because, you know, I mean, in my opinion, 50% of the problem is knowing the right thing to do. Yeah. The other 50% is...
0: Doing the right thing when you know what to do.
1: (laughs) The crap. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, I think people think, well, if if you you make the right decision, then it's going to, you know, it's going to be good, it's smooth. And I could tell you, like, in the season I've been in for the last three years, making the right decision is sometimes the harder decision. No, I mean, it's often. making the right, no, no, you made the right decision. But if I would have made this decision, it would have been easier. Yeah, absolutely. But this is a decision I know is the right one. Yeah. And this decision is going to bring me a whole bunch of problems. Yeah. And so, you know, and it's it, like that. I think so that's true. So it's not just... Knowing the right thing to do, it's having the, you know, the courage and the compassion and whatever. I mean, I could I'm thinking about things that are going on in my life this this week and I'm like, oh gosh, this is you know, I know the right answer, but the, the challenge is is that it's messy. Mm-hmm. Things are life is messy. Yeah. You know? Life yeah. is messy.
0: Yeah, it's true. Hmm. Yep. How do you How do you, um, when you're, like, when you know that your capacity has to grow, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Mm -hmm. Um, Like, how do you feel like we go about growing and expanding our capacity to deal with problems, to be a leader, to, you know, carry weight, make big decisions What's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, you don't, you're never going to grow your capacity by avoiding, avoiding the weights.
0: Yeah, that's for sure.
1: Like, like you're, you know, how do I grow my capacity to lift more weight? I have to actually go lift more weight. Yeah. So, and, and I think that the way that you grow capacity for leadership is to be involved in leadership mm-hmm. at some level. Now, you know what the Peter Principle is, and that is when you get promoted beyond your ability to perform. And, and that mostly happens when you- Why do they call it Peter Principle? Uh, I don't know, to tell you the truth. I think somebody told a story about Peter 20 years ago. and then, But it, basically, it, when you get promoted beyond your capacity to perform, that in my mind is, uh, uh, that principle is based around the fact that you either, whoever promoted you put put you there, they weren't wise, or you self-promote it. Mm. And the challenge there is that, you know, you're not getting a chance to go from step to step to step to step. And, you know, you, 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 you went to the gym and you could lift, you know, you could bench press 150 and someone put 500 on there and said, bench that. And you're like, that's never, that's going to break me. I'm, I'm yeah. not going to build up to that. Yeah. So I think that, you know, uh, we have to be careful that we don't self promote. We have to be careful that we're, that the responsibility we took on is the one that the Lord's assigned to us. But on the other side of that is, I always feel like in the Lord, you're a little bit, you're always slightly over your head. Sometimes you're way over your head if yeah. he, if he insists. and and that that's like you know I could lift 150 pounds, I could do 160, and maybe I could do 170. The deal is, is that I'm gonna I'm gonna lift a little bit more that's comfortable, and if I if I'm not careful, I'll get in this mode where. I feel like I can't do it. Mm-hmm. It's like I can't do it, and that's how I'm going to build muscle. Yeah, and you know, and, and I think that y- you know, in my in my personal life, I have a lot of capacity for certain kinds of problems, mm-hmm. and very little capacity for other kinds of problems. Yeah. And uh, and I think that you know, the kinds of problems I have capacity for, I look I look back, I'm like, oh, those are the kinds of problems I've had a lot in my life.
0: Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah,
1: and yeah,
0: I would agree hundred percent with that mm-hmm. it, it's um it's it is always interesting how you look at somebody you go like, "Man, how can they do that?" like Riley was over yesterday, and my daughter, yeah, and we were talking about her her work, and she does a lot of administrative work, and she was talking about doing the paperwork, and I said, "Oh, babe, how is it for you to do paperwork?" She said, "Oh, I like it. It's easy. Yeah. When I sit down to do paperwork, honestly, I get anxiety. Yeah. Like filing stuff and keep mm-hmm. making notes and like, oof, I can't even handle it. Or you watch people who are just, mm-hmm. they can just handle a certain kind of pressure. That's mm-hmm. like, wow, man, I just don't feel like I have any grace for that, any capacity for it. But then on another side, like I have lots of capacity." for for certain areas mm-hmm. that I've done for a long time the gif I think a lot of it too is a gift mix right it's like the area that it you is. feel good at um but yeah I've just it, been it's thinking it's also about,
1: organization yeah to be honest like you know I am an organizational freak so this is a, you know so I'm going to toot my own horn for a minute here but I, I'll say this like if you came to my shop, my shop's super organized and 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 probably cleaner than it needs to be. Yeah, it's great. But the deal is, is that when something like everybody likes to work in my shop because you know where everything is. Yeah. And so if if you you know when I go over somebody else's place and there's just like they have all the tools, but where are they? Only God knows. <laughs> <laughs> like it just makes the job so much harder. It's chaotic, yeah. And I think that some of some of what happens in our life is that we actually that's a metaphor now, but we yeah. have like we organize things. Like we have a like how do I like conflict? I don't just jump in there. It's like it's like okay, I I I have tools for conflict. Hmm. And th- and that isn't I step in and I tell you what I think. Yeah. You know, one of my tools I've learned from Danny some, many years ago, I don't I, I don't do it perfectly, but much better is I sit and listen and I'm yeah. like, "Okay, what's what's their side before I before I ha- you know, it's like, "Okay, hey John, I have a problem with da-da-da. And he's like, "Okay, well, I'd love to hear your side of the story." And and, and so and if I if I can listen without defense, which is not easy, especially if Yeah. there's a problem with you. Or someone that you really something or someone you really care about or something you really care about. And it's hard to listen because he's like assaulting your your thing. But if you can listen, then you're like, okay. And so you're organizing your tools. Mm-hmm. It's like organizing your tools. Yeah. It's like, okay, so I listen to him and I, I ask questions to make sure mm-hmm. I understand. And then I I maybe I pose questions like, have you thought about looking at it like this? Like have you thought about maybe seeing it that way? And and instead of just like, all the tools are like, they're in the toolbox someplace, and mm-hmm. maybe they'll come out somewhere in the conversation, yeah. but it might be, the conversation might be really damaged when I used like five tools, I couldn't find the right tool, so I used something else. And then finally, I come upon the right tool, then it's at the end of a, an argument, and then I walk out of those meetings, and I'm like, and this is, my, this is my old way of dealing with conflict, like, oh, wow, I wish I would have done that differently.
0: Mm-hmm. That was not good. Yeah understanding a process and following a process is definitely gives you more capacity mm. for sure. I agree with that hundred percent. It's what we teach in our, our marriage course. We're getting ready to do a, a marriage course and a uh, marriage intensive in January, Lauren and I are, and so much of it, we're working on it today. So much of it is, do you understand how to do conflict? Do you understand how to connect? Do you understand how to um, express your emotions. Like, If you don't know how to do that stuff, then marriage feels overwhelming, right? Like people don't have any capacity for marriage and they go home, they don't have any capacity for their wife or uh, for the kids. And it's because you don't actually understand the process. Once you understand the process, the process for communication, mm-hmm. The process for conflict. Conflict mm-hmm. has a process that, if you know how to do it right, if you understand boundaries, and you understand how to seek to understand and how to do reflective listening, and oh my gosh, it's it's like the same effort that you used to use. Now I'm using that same amount of effort, but I'm getting so much further mm-hmm. because I'm I can do the process. That's good, Dad. I love that. That's smart. Okay, we'll just do a couple more. Okay, and we'll be done. These are great. Um. What three skill sets do you think are most important for men to develop today and why? You don't have to do three if you don't want to. Or you could do five if you care, if you if you're really into it.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, obviously learning how to love and that is that's let's just say learning how to love and then what three processes come out of learning how to love? Because okay. it's probably all about learning how to love, right? Maybe. Yeah. So, you know, one I think uh being present. Mm. And yeah. man. Isn't it not harder with all, like, just like yeah. let's just scroll some more, you know? I know. And, and it's just really easy to just, like, relieve the pain of life by being in the fantasy of, you know, scrolling through your Facebook or whatever pages. So, I think learning how to be present. Yeah. And I'll tell you that the times that I have to learn to, uh, like, discipline myself to be present— is when we're involved in something I'm not interested in.
0: Hmm.
1: <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't have a problem. Like guys want to sit down and talk about football or basketball. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not trying to like be present. I am present. Yeah, you know, I go home and my wife wants to tell me about her day, and sometimes her communication is like. You know, like she's always, taking,
0: you, she's taking you the five the mile, yeah, the five hour, hour way on, and on I'm a like, two hour. Where
1: way. are we going? Yeah. You know, because I always think that sometimes communication with women is the, you know, the prize is at the end of the of the road. Um, so you know, being present. So number two, I think, um, not giving up. It's really easy. Perseverance, to do, yeah, perseverance. It's just it's having grit, not giving up. Mm-hmm. You know, staying staying the course, hanging in there. Um, you know, ra- raising kids is tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you there's no one. Well, you know, if you're halfway decent father, there's no one that you give your life to that much. That at seasons shows that little appreciation. It's true. <laughs> like anybody else that you put a roof over their head, you fed yeah. them every day. Yeah, you know, you're up at night with them. Whatever, what all the things that happen with moms and dads. Anybody else would be like, I owe my life to you. Yeah. But those little monsters, they go through seasons where they're like, I hate you. You know, you're not a good dad. You're, I'm like, you didn't come with instructions, dude. I did my best. You know, yeah, it's true. And maybe I didn't do my best, but it feels Uh like I definitely sacrificed. So, you know, like perseverance and grit are Mm. important. And then, uh, thirdly, you know, I think Bill's book comes to my mind, you know, encouraging yourself in the Lord. Mm. Like, You, 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 we all have to figure out how do we bring our self courage. And what I see is what's masquerading as encouraging myself and Lord is avoiding. Like, I have this big avoidance. Like, I just don't do it. Mm -hmm. Like, I just don't pay attention. I go, go, you know, I'm not against watching TV or watching, I love all that stuff. I love to unwind by watching a good basketball game or a football game. I, I don't think you can just stay engaged in the, in the world we live in 24/ 7 It's just at least my world is so much i mm-hmm. I have to give my yeah my body and my soul a break absolutely but there is a place where you know where I you know I just disengage from pain and I, and I just I just act like i I'm calling it perseverance but actually I just yeah I actually don't do it at all. I, I just I stay in the marriage, but it's not persevering because I I don't do anything to actually make it better. Yeah,
0: you're not actually in the marriage. You are checked out. I
1: checked out. Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the home, but I'm actually not in it. Yeah, house.
0: I like that. I think um I think one of the biggest you could say it either way. I think one of the biggest mistakes that guys make is they break their own promises to themselves. Mm. And I know it's not necessarily a skill set, but the, the ability to follow through with start what you finish. And I, I see it a lot. The, the more I lead men, the more men know what to do, but they don't, they don't know how to do it consistently. And they, and they consistently break their promises, which does like three things in my mind. Like the, the first thing really that it does is it, you lack confidence now, right? Because I started something and I and I didn't finish it. So now I'm questioning, can I really do the thing that I really want to do? Do I really have what it takes? Why did I quit on myself? And then it, you lose tons of momentum and you get really hopeless when, when that happens. And then you, you never really meet your full potential. And so you don't have the resources uh, that you would have if you would have just followed through on the thing that you said that you would do. And um, because everybody knows I should eat well, everybody knows exercising is helpful. Everybody knows I should uh, be a good friend and invite people. Out. Like just the really simple things. Uh, we look at we typically look at life and go, what what trick, what hack, what hard thing do I need to learn or know how to do in order to feel proud of myself or in order to achieve this success? And most success actually lies in those little tiny small things that I am not able, that I'm unwilling to sacrifice mm-hmm. to do every single day to get me to where I want to be. And I often think we all want people to feel, we all want people to respect us. But when you break your own promises, you don't respect you. And even if you don't admit it deep down inside, you don't respect you. and then, But we get upset when people don't respect us. And it's, it's an odd thing because I want somebody to do for me what I'm not doing for me. I want somebody to respect me, but I don't actually respect the way that I'm living. Totally. And so it's, I th- I do, I think that that's the trap that most men get themselves into, is I do enough to feel good about myself, to feel okay with myself, to live with myself, But I don't do enough to feel proud of myself. Mm -hmm. To go, I'm a good man, and I know I'm a good man because I'm doing everything I actually know to do.
1: Yeah, I'm. Like maybe there's my convictions.
0: Maybe there's more I should be doing, Mm -hmm. right? But I don't know that. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do the thing. I don't know how to do. But I'm waking up on time. Waking up early. I'm reading, you know, to learn Mm -hmm. the Bible and to learn. I'm, uh, you know, following a budget, uh, some sort of budget. Mm I'm working hard when I'm at work. I'm working out, you know, working on my body, whatever. I'm eating in a way, like most guys, if they just did, if they just did what they already know to do, it would change their life. Totally. Absolutely transform their life.
1: Yeah. Especially if you did it with passion.
0: Yeah. Well, that anything else that you feel like, man, I just I want to, I want to give these guys just one I mean, piece of I advice. Just,
1: I just want to say that you know it, it uh working hard on the things that are hard is ultimately worth it and yeah the other thing is you really can't run from yourself you know i i mean i we see as is all of us who are listening to this and we know we all know people who've went through a divorce like oh, i'm going to get out of this i'm going divorce <laughs> like, you're stuck it, with it, you i i have always say to the person who comes in like okay let me just tell you that Go look up divorce on the psychological pain level. Hmm. Besides a death of a child, it's the most excruciating pain you can have, and you don't, you won't bear it alone. Like you will, it will get on a whole bunch of people. Yeah, as you know, as we well know because of the what we've been through, but um, so we know it by experience too. So I'm saying, and I use divorce now just now as just an analogy. It's like when I divorce myself from the situation, it it doesn't get better. Yeah. And I'm going to go away. I'm going to metaphorically marry another woman and it's all going to be okay. And it's like,
0: like, you're stuck with you. You're stuck
1: with you. It's, and then, and you're stuck with a person, a human who has other issues, you know, maybe not the same ones. And so, uh, grass is greener on the other side. No, the grass, well, make sure that's not artificial turf because that's (laughs) one problem. And secondly, you know, it's, it's greener on the side you water it. You know, the people that have, uh, most people who have the life you want. They've worked hard for it. Yeah, it's true. And so, you know, and I, I just think that, you know, it, it just really being sure that when we're exiting a problem that we're really making the right decision. That's correct. Because uh, hard work does, my mom used to say, hard work does pay off. And I'm like, it, it, it doesn't a thousand percent of the time, but most of the time it does work out. Yeah. So most of the time, it, hard work does make it better.
0: Well, being lazy definitely doesn't. Oh no, yeah, no. There's
1: a bunch of proverbs <laughs> yeah. about that. Yeah,
0: I mean the the it's a quick pathway to hell is avoid conflict. It's avoid conflict, right? A- yeah. avoid doing hard things. Man, that's mm-hmm. just. And Jordan Peterson says it like this: like you have to pick your pain. Yeah. That working out and in being in shape really hard. Being out of shape, being obese is is also very hard. Very hard. Yeah, having uh, a healthy marriage it's really hard. It's a lot of work. Having an unhealthy marriage. It's so hard. Really hard. Yeah, it's really, really hard. Yeah. Not being a present dad, or being a present dad is super tough, man, because you got to go be Chickalinda, like I said earlier. (laughs) Not being a present dad is really tough, (laughs) super tough. And
1: uh, and sometimes you can delay the pain, but when you delay it, it's like not paying your credit card. Like, you call up and you're like, I don't have the money this week, and they go, oh, (laughs) it's no problem. (laughs) No problem. And then, and then, like you keep the the interest compounds on the interest, yeah. and pretty soon you're like, I remember our, uh, I didn't pay the IRS, and you know, and I I owed them uh, nine thousand dollars, and the first bill I got was seventeen thousand, and I thought that was bad because that was penalties and interest.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. And,
1: and then and then they're like, oh, we gotta, you know, well, we'll put you on a three year plan. Well, I paid back like twenty seven thousand on yeah. nine thousand, in my, you know, yeah, they were stoked <laughs> yeah. about your deal. We could, you could put it off, but it, it will cost you more, right? Yeah,
0: it's like buying a house in California right now. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> the, in, the interest is so high; you buy that house four times over. <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, it's been good. Dad, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me on. And I really appreciate what you're doing for men. And it's awesome. It's a great movement.
0: Yeah, you're such a good man. Thank you. Well, Brave Co Men, hopefully you enjoyed this podcast this week. Um, if if you loved what we're doing here, feel free to share this episode, share our podcast. That's how we grow. It's how we help spread the news and disciple more men ultimately. Um, also like and comment on the podcast. That helps us grow too. Otherwise. We will see you next week. Stay brave.
1: God bless.